0: Okay, welcome back. We are here live uh, reading chapter four of The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise by Dan Gemeinhart. I am here with the A-Day students. A-Day students, say hello. Hello. And we are stoked to read. Um, Before we get started, um, someone just told me that they remembered that in the last chapter, uh, we learned, or rodeo learned, that Ivan was on the bus and that um, Coyote was keeping him. And um, do you guys have any predictions about what's gonna happen with Ivan? And if he's, if, if he's gonna keep, wanna keep uh, Ivan around? Yeah. He's gonna me keep me? Ivan because he's quiet? Yeah. So we'll see if that prediction is realized here in chapter four. Well, no surprise. I was right about just about everything. Ivan fit in with me and Rodeo like a slice of cheese between two pieces of bread. He made himself right at home, Ivan did. He slept wherever the heck he felt like and whenever the heck he felt like it. He roamed and rambled around the bus, sniffing and investigating and generally being just adorable. Now that he was out in the open, I gave him an official tour of his new home. This here is a 2003 International 3800 bus, I told Ivan, cradling him in my arms. Her name is Jaeger. Once upon a time, our home had the words Voyager Day School painted on her in yellow side, on her yellow sides. But when we bought her, Rodeo had scratched most of the letters off to give her a new name that's less institutional sounding. If you take a second and think of Voyager Day School, you can almost picture Jaeger, Y-A-G-E-R, and which letters Rodeo would have had to have scratched off. She was long and sturdy-looking, with a handsome hood sticking out in front of her like the prow of a boat. Jaeger was not one of those flat-nosed buses. No, sir, those may be all right for getting back and forth from school, but they're nothing that anybody would want to call a home. And this is the cockpit, I continued, holding Ivan out so that he could see it. He took a look at the driver's seat and the dashboard and the big old steering wheel. There was a white ceramic sculpture of a pug on the dashboard looking out at the road before us. We called him the Dog of Positivity, and Rodeo insisted that he was a sort of canine guardian angel keeping us happy on the road. Ivan gave him a curious sniff. Rodeo, sitting in the driver's seat, slid a snotty look at Ivan and said, This is my zone right here, cat. Stay out of it. But I just turned and whispered into his ears. He doesn't mean that, Ivan. You go wherever you want. Behind the driver's seat were two rows of bus seats, the only ones that Rodeo had left in when he'd converted it into a full-time residence. Behind the second row was Rodeo's blanket pile on the side and our kitchen area on the other. We didn't have running water or anything, so it was really just a cupboard and a counter and a big cooler where we kept milk and stuff. Ivan seemed especially interested in the cupboards of food, but I kept us moving. I'm gonna pause here. It's helpful for me in my mind to create kind of a diagram of the bus so I can see where things are at. If you ever want to, you can either replay this episode and listen back or you can just kind of try to keep an an imaginary diagram in your mind of where everything is. That will help you to understand the story. Next to the kitchen was our garden which was a shelf against the window that had a bunch of tomatoes and lettuce and stuff growing in pots. I also had a couple of pots of sunflowers going, and they were looking great, about four feet tall, and each one holding up a gorgeous, bursting yellow flower that leaned over toward the sunlight. I don't think there's about a darn thing in the world that's more happy and hopeful than a big blooming sunflower. Ivan, sniffing and batting at the nearest bloom, seemed to agree. He's a smart one. Across from the garden was a big, bolted-in armchair we called The Throne. I can personally vouch that this is a fantastic reading chair, soft enough to lean your head back and relax, and big enough that you can lay sideways and drape your legs over one of the arms, if you feel like it. It was conveniently located next to our main bookshelves, which were always crammed full of a rotating selection of me and Rodeo's favorite books. In front of the shelf was the couch a giant cushy flower print number. It was ancient and threadbare and most of the springs had been broken since the 80s. It was hideous and monstrous and absolutely perfect. It was the kind of couch you could stretch out on and then all of a sudden you'd wake up and it's an hour later and you never even realized you were falling asleep. Then of course, there's my room. I got the whole back of the bus with the dangling curtain giving me my privacy and space. It wasn't big, but it was mine. And I had room for me and my bed and my bookshelf and my clothes, and since that was all the stuff I had, that was all the space I needed. Can you imagine living there? It would be interesting. Would you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Mason? I don't want to
1: but I always want to have a little, like,
0: little Right. Something to take trips in, maybe? Yeah, Olivia? A lot of people are getting into that. Oh, I think I've seen Avery's conversion. That's really cool. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. And that's it, I said, plopping down on the couch with Ivan. Your new home, what do you think? Ivan's baby blues were looking right into mine. He rubbed up against my chin and purred, which I took as a stamp of approval. I could see pretty soon that Rodeo was getting fond of Ivan, though he sure tried to hide it from me. The first time Ivan tried to settle into Rodeo's lap while he was driving, Rodeo made a big deal about it, pushing him off and griping about it. Later though, I looked up from where I was reading and saw Ivan curled up in Rodeo's lap, eyes all closed and happy with Rodeo's dirty fingernails scratching at his head. I wanted to jump up and gloat about it, but I knew better. I'd won a battle, but it was best to hold off till I'd won the war. We're seeing now a little bit of change from Rodeo. It's a contradiction or a difference to how he used to behave. And that's important for us to notice and watch as that changes. That's gonna teach us lessons about the story and lessons about our characters. Ivan soon found his favorite spot for when we were on the move. He stretched out right up on the dashboard, pressed up against the windshield, basking in the sunlight and lazily looking back and forth between Rodeo singing behind the wheel and the world blurring by outside. Rodeo acted like he hardly noticed his new driving partner, but sitting close one morning I heard Rodeo mutter when Ivan ambled up and leapt onto to his spot, Oh, there you are! And I smiled wide, but kept the little victory to myself. Then there was this. The night before we hit 500 miles, we were camping on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere, somewhere outside of Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And if you're looking at a map right now, you'll remember that they were in which state? Yeah. They were in Oregon on the west coast. Colorado is kind of like right in the middle of the country. So they've gone a long ways. We'd had a fine night singing together by a campfire with Rodeo strumming away at his guitar and me at my ukulele soaking in the coolness of the night air and the spectacles of the stars shimmering above us. Ivan sat on my lap the whole time, dozing or blinking into the fire. When it was shut-eye time, though, I somehow lost track of him and all the in and out and getting our chairs and whatever back on the bus, and like that, he was gone without a trace. I was just about sick, running all around, shouting his name, throwing all sorts of fits. Finally, Rodeo got me calmed down and put me to bed, telling me he was sure Ivan would be back by morning, once his belly got empty. I couldn't sleep, of course, but knelt on my bed with my head sticking out my bedroom window whispering his name into the night. That's what you do, right? When someone you love is gone, you call their name out into the darkness? Then just like that, I heard him meowing at the front door. My heart was a sugary burst of fireworks. I bolted for the front, but stopped short at my doorway curtain, because I saw that rodeo had beat me there. The bus was dark except for the small yellow glow of Rodeo's bedside lamp. He had already had the door open, and I saw his head disappear as he bent down to pick up Ivan. He shut the door and stepped up by the steering wheel, wheel, and I saw that he was holding Ivan close, tight up against his chest, and then he dropped his his mouth to kiss the top of Ivan's head. Then, just barely across that dark distance, I heard Rodeo murmur, "'Welcome back, compadre.' you had us worried sick buddy rodeo gave him another kiss and set him down gentle and i slipped back behind my curtain i was smiling to myself in the shadows us huh now that us was now that us was really pretty darn interesting yes sir it was the thing that the thing that i'm sorry the thing was one and i knew it right then and it was only a matter of waiting for the odometer to make it official. The odometer is a tool that measures what? Miles. Miles, right. A minute later, Ivan poked his nose through the curtain, and then the rest of him followed, and he jumped up and joined me on my bed. I grinned at him and scratched his stupid wandering away and worrying me sick little head. Ivan, guiltless and unapologetic, as a cash-flush con man, closed his eyes and leaned into my fingers. Well, Ivan, I whispered, I think you did it. I think you found yourself a home. And sure enough, he had, because this was how it all played out. We rolled right through Ivan's 500-mile moment, and we didn't say a darn thing. We just kept rolling. Ivan right there with us. And that's just how it was. We both knew it, of course. I'd pointed it out that morning when we'd started driving. Four miles, rodeo, I'd said. Ivan hit 500 this afternoon, likely. Rodeo sipped from his styrofoam copy cup. Mmm, was all he said, blinking all slow and acting sleepy like it wasn't a big freaking deal. We'd taken our time that day, not really racking up the miles. Stopped for a long lunch, dawdled in a tree-shaded park, pulled over for a swim in a muddy river. But then, well, after lunch and closer to dinner, it happened. The odometer ticked right over the number we both knew was exactly 500 bigger than it had been when we found that, uh, to Ivan that morning. It was a number I'd remember to my dying day. 248,845 miles. I was not so casually leaning over rodeo's seat when that last little white five rolled onto the meter. Then held my breath for Ivan's last mile, eyeing that digit till my eyes burned from not blinking. And then it didn't. Ticked from five to a beautiful six. That was it. Ivan had ridden with us for 500 miles. I looked out of the side of my eye at Rodeo, who was still sitting there all nonchalant, one hand draped over the steering wheel, the other picking at something between his teeth. Rodeo? Hmm? I opened my mouth, ready to just flat out ask, but then I reined myself in. Rodeo was well aware we'd hit 500. He was playing possum. I knew from experience that Rodeo was sometimes best approached in a sideways direction. I cracked my knuckles and looked away, playing my own casualness against his. "'Give me a once upon a time,' I said lightly. I saw him hide a smile in his beard. "'All right, let's see.' He screwed up his eyes and thought and took a swig of root beer. Then he nodded and switched off the radio. "'Okay, honeycake, here we go. Once upon a time, there was a crow and a sparrow. A sparrow was a pretty little thing with bright eyes, and a sweet nature, and the prettiest song you had ever heard. The crow, though, he was an ornery old cuss. He'd lost one eye, and he was missing feathers here and there, and he had a wing that was busted and all bent so he couldn't fly, he just hung around in their old tree, singing with the sparrow and eating whatever measly bugs he could find in the branches. But they were tight, these two, and though, and through the wind and rain, and heck, even hurricanes, these two stuck together. Rodeo took another swallow of his root beer, and Ivan chose that opportune moment to come toddling up with a yawn and hop up on Rodeo's lap. Rodeo didn't even look down, but he scratched gruffly at Ivan's head and kept talking and didn't shoo him down. So one day, Old Crow sees something down there on the ground under the tree. It's. it's. a French fry. A French fry. I asked dubiously. Yes, a french fry dropped no doubt by some careless girl with bad habits such as dropping fries and interrupting stories. So, old Crow decides to get down for this wayward fry, but he can't fly, right? So he hops down, branch to branch, and then finally, that long last drop to the earth, he lands with one hell of a clumsy crash, but he grabs it and looks up and realizes, well, crap, I should have thought of that. He's feeling pretty hopeless down there, flightless and stranded, but then who shows up? A hungry fox? I guessed. No, it ain't that gruesome kind of story. It's a sparrow, of course, the sparrow. And that sparrow, well, she was something else. All heart, that one. She got right up under that big old crotchety broken winged crow and she beat her wings something fierce. And At first, nothing happened, but then Crow, he started flapping his wings too he could anyway and with the help of that remarkable little sparrow darned if that old crow didn't fly again for the first time in a long time right up into the branches of that tree and there they sat the crow and the sparrow side by side up in the bright blue sky where they belonged, sharing a french fry. The end. Now, I want you to take a second to remember the last time we heard a once upon a time it stood for something different it was whenever coyote was talking about how lonely she was and how she actually needed a cat. Do you think maybe this story has a different meaning too? Yes. Callie, what are you thinking? Who might the characters in the story be? The crow and the sparrow and the french fry. Who might those be? Ada? Ada? Okay, Tinsai, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that there's a right answer to that, but it's interesting to think about who helps, who, who inspires, who what situations we get into, and how stories can help us see those things more clearly. I nodded thoughtfully. Not bad, Rodeo, not bad. That crow must've sure loved french fries, though. Rodeo shook his head. Nah, he said, scratching at Ivan's head. He didn't at all, really. What? Then why'd he flop down on the ground the way he done? Rodeo looked down at the perfect kitten in his lap, and back out at the highway, winding its way through Colorado pine trees. Cause the Sparrow loved French fries, Coyote, and the Crow loved the Sparrow. Oh, so a little twist there. I smiled then, just to myself, and sat back in my seat and blew out a big old sigh been kinda holding in since that odometer had ticked over that magic number six. That rodeo, he's something else. From time to time, he can be darn near clever and poetic, in spite of himself, even. Well, folks, uh, another wonderful chapter from Dan Gemeinhart. Again, if you like The Remarkable Journey of Cody Sunrise and are looking for a book, Some Kind of Courage by Dan Gemeinhardt is a great one to check out. And we will see you next time for the next chapter. Bye.